Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. story on ITSP Magazine. I'm Alyssa Knight, your host. I want to introduce Kunal Anand. He's the Chief Technology Officer for a company I'm sure all of you have heard of and know of uh, is Imperva. And so Kunal, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience for those of the in the audience who don't know who you are um, and have been living under a rock for the past <laughs> years. But I um, uh, would love for you to tell the audience about yourself and uh, let's let's dig into nerding out on API security and, and why traditional security controls just don't work. Oh, I'm so ready for this conversation and Me thank too. you for an, an awesome introduction. Hi everybody, my name is Kunal Anand. I am Imperva's Chief Technology Officer. I love all things security. Uh, we're going to talk about things like API security. I also am a fan of things like cryptocurrency and other fun, interesting things going on in the world. I like to read a lot. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. I don't know how far we can go, but uh, anyways, I'm Elisa. It's such an honor to be talking to you oh, about API. Thank you, Kunal. Yeah, I'm excited. I, you know, I'm glad we finally met. Um, so yeah, I think I think this is something you and I can can easily nerd out on for for hours. So we'll try and keep it succinct for our audience. But you know, let's 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 talk about the theme, which is you know API security. And uh, a lot of you know me as an API hacker. I'm writing the book on hacking APIs in a, in uh, in a in a few days. I'm going to be dropping a year of research on hacking healthcare APIs, specifically Fire APIs. But you know, a lot of those APIs that I hacked were actually secured with web <laughs> application firewalls. And I use floating quotes because I feel like so many buyers and so many CISOs just don't get it. That, you know, they think because it speaks HTTP protocol, they go to what they have known historically to secure web servers with, which is a WAF. Kunal, can you just kind of give us a deep dive into that and, and why they don't work and, and what's wrong here? Yeah, it's it's the impedance mismatch, right? It's the just because it speaks uh, HTTP uh, doesn't mean that you actually understand the intent of an API request or an API response. They're ultimately very different conceptually. If you just sort of take a step back, we came from a, a paradigm where the web was pretty much a browser, effectively fetching a resource from a server, which was typically an HTML formatted uh, document. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that would effectively render in the browser. And over the years, of course, assets became a thing. So you had images, cascading style sheets, JavaScripts, and a lot more dynamic content that would come down. But of course, we did see a transition of not just humans and browsers accessing content, but uh, APIs. And so APIs have been with us as an industry for decades and decades. I think the biggest change has been a lot of sort of more conventionally APIs were uh, really, I think, prototypically around like old school software, like SDKs kind of wrapped in old school SDKs. But in the emergence of the web, we saw a lot of these APIs become publicly facing, right? So you could now access APIs over the public web. And, and you see a lot of that activity today where you have front ends that don't necessarily uh, 
make a trip back to the server and you see that old school like refreshing model. Now you have these sort of single page applications that call an API to maybe go and fetch content or go to perform an action. Uh, or you have things like for those that are using Slack uh, or the software that we're using right, right now to record this conversation between us, we're syncing our, our audio and video uh, through an API. Yeah. The fundamental difference is these are, are protocols uh, on top of HTTP, and these are protocols that are effectively built and scoped to the application by the developers who are building the server side and have an understanding of how the client side is going to interact with it. And they're so unique to every organization, and you have to deal with things like different file formats or, or different formats in general. So that could be things like serialization and deserialization around like JSON or XML or gRPC as an example. You have authentication, authorization. Uh, you also have data and sensitive data uh, analysis that's, that, that you need to do. Right? So this is just a big new world. And I think a lot of people think that you can take something that worked over here and make it apply and fit for APIs. And you're absolutely right. I think there's like a big, big gap today. Yeah, I, lo I appreciate your your description of APIs and, and how they work. Uh, and I, I've always used the, you know, electrical outlet analogy, right? So it's like the electrical outlet in your house is like an API and it doesn't care what you plug up to it, whether it's a, your iPhone to charge it or your hair dryer, you know, what you connect to the API on the client side, you know, it's, it's, it could be a mobile app. It could be a web browser. It doesn't matter. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that Rosetta stone, you know, between applications and, and, and devices and. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's such a such an eloquent way to to <laughs> to frame it. I'm I'm gonna use that actually. Yeah, Thank it's you. great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you can have coal, you know, coal produced power or, you know, um, uh, wind, you know, windmills, whatever. The electrical provider also doesn't. I know a lot of people use the waiter analogy, but, you know, I, I in the restaurant, but I like the electrical outlet. But yeah, so and it's interesting for me because I've always been a big believer in the fact that security should be context aware, like context based, right? You, and that's why I think that if you recall the old snort days, high why five, I feel like high yeah, five, high five. High five. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, like the old snort days of IDS signatures built around exploits. You know, the, the exploits and the tools will always change. But you know, the the I think the 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 thing that matters the most in in security is that the security control understands what the backend uh yes. you know target ip address is right so i mean you know if, if that's why we saw so many false positives with signature based stuff because you know it it, it didn't know that that 192.168.0.1 was an apache server versus an iis server so it alerted on apache vulnerabilities you know or mm -hmm. is vulnerabilities when in fact it was running a different web server uh, uh daemon and and that context of understanding what the attack surface is is so important and so why you know for me at least my opinion as a hacker as an adversary you know um in in that regard is that you know hey i you you don't know right this this web application firewall doesn't really fully understand what is behind it or what i'm targeting so it's going to really try and alert on everything and it's not going to understand if i'm logged in as me and i'm requesting canals medical records patient records that web application firewall is just going to be looking for bad stuff in the payload and bad things like sql mm -hmm. injection it's not going to be looking for things like should Alyssa be requesting canals records exactly exactly uh you're absolutely right so i think where a lot of people get wrong first is 
and this is just from our experience of just connecting with enterprises. I think before you even get to things like protection, a lot of it is just discovery. A lot of it is just awareness. Agreed. A lot yeah. of people don't Observability, even know. Observability, yes. shadow APIs. Bingo. Like so many people don't even know that they have these things out there. And then they don't know within the APIs, the various endpoints that are exposed. So when mm -hmm. we talk about endpoints, let's say you have api.foo.com, an endpoint could be forward slash bar, forward slash bads, yeah. or whatever it might be. A lot of organizations don't know what the endpoints are. And, and also, we live in an era now in 2021 where people have things like API specifications, like swagger schemas and swagger specs. But APIs existed and have existed for a really long time. Yeah. So what do you do to get awareness for APIs that have been in production for 10, 15 years? where there were no schemas, where there were no specifications, right? right. Uh, are you really going to have to go and, and either get a developer or go and kind of read the source code to figure out what's going on? No, I mean, you know, this is, it's becoming an intractable issue for lots and lots of organizations. So first, like kind of getting your arms around the problem, you can't diagnose something if you don't know where all that stuff is, right? So what's your opinion on the whole WAF narrative, right? So, I mean, it's, I'm a big believer in, in, in security controls should be like layers of an onion, right? So mm -hmm. what is it that you're trying to protect and build up from there? Because we've all, we all know that, you know, the old concept of the, the, the castle protected by the moat is gone, right? Data is everywhere. It's on everyone's devices. It's in the cloud. It's in S3 buckets. It's everywhere. Um, so you can't, so you can't really try and keep it in one place to secure it. Um, with WAFs, you know, I'm I, I'm a big believer in in security controls and layers. I mean, are WAFs bad? What do what do for those who are listening, should they just completely dismantle their WAFs? What do, what do what do our listeners do if they do rely on WAFs today? Yeah, I mean, so maybe a couple of couple of reactions, and then I'll I'll go and directly answer that. I completely agree about contextual-based security. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt right now of the company that I co-founded back in, in 2012, 2013. Um, the company that I co-founded was called Previty, and we were focused okay. on basically putting a RASP control inside of an application because um, of security inside of the app, because to see and stop things like supply chain attacks, the best way to do it is from within the application, right? You, you're guessing when you're at the network not at the edge, but like on the actual endpoint where the application is running and exactly. understand the context of what that application is doing. Exactly. And so this very similar thing has to happen with things like APIs. Like it's one thing, you know, if you go back to Imperva from 20 years ago or a 20 year old company, 20 years ago, the company was basically coming to market with the web application firewall. Yeah. That wasn't that. You guys were the WAP company. And, and very naive, right, in terms of, okay, well, we're just going to basically play whack-a-mole to any traffic that's coming in. But to the point that you said, there's a lot of nuance around APIs. Yes. So three years ago, we, we made a really big investment. And that's right when I came to the company around APIs. So the first move that we did was we became schema aware for the first time ever. So we basically allowed organizations to upload a schema to us of their existing APIs so we could figure out exactly, all right, this is the data that should be going over. And then we gave people an option of, do they wanna basically clamp on anything that goes outside of those boundaries? So kind of like a positive security model that we started with. But then as time went on, we found those same issues that you that you found. And, and your research is incredible, by the way. Um, oh, thank and, you, and, and, and 
it's so spot on because things like authentication, authorization, uh, security misconfigurations, the OWASP API top 10, right? It's different from the OWASP top 10. And, and it's different for a reason, right? Because the attacks are ultimately different. Things like broken object level authentication, function level authentication authorization issues, right? You have those problems. And so you fast forward to what we did earlier this year, we acquired a company called Cloud Vector. And, okay. and the reason for it was, we have an understanding of where the security world is going from an API perspective, but you have to breathe, eat, and sleep API security to do it right. You can't just say as a, a WAF company, we're going to be the best at API security now. No, there's you know many, many years of, of research that goes into that and lots of expertise. You know this already, right? As an individual who hacks and, and sort of plays around the edges of APIs, you understand that there's a lot of nuance in that space. Yeah. So we, we ended no, up... I, no, no, yeah, and that's what's interesting. I'm so glad you brought that up. The idiosyncratic nuances between different types of APIs. The, it's not like rinse and reuse. Every API is different. It's not one size fits all. Like you need to understand what is that API doing? Yep. What is the company? What is the company? Is it a bank? Is it a pharmaceuticals company? What is that? It's not like you go to Best Buy and buy an API off the shelf. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's different. It's... Every implementation is different. So the the I met Cloud Vector and my jaw hit the floor when I saw their product. And I'll tell you why. The way they built the product was not something that was a WAF. They actually didn't build a WAF. Their approach was really unique in that they plug directly into things like service meshes, where APIs oh, wow. are effectively running. And so in less than five minutes, the thing came up and running. It basically installed into my Kubernetes deployment. And it was on in a blueprinting mode where it was effectively understanding traffic. It was effectively like aware of information going between nodes. And so like a magnifying not... glass, a digital yes. magnifying glass into that Kubernetes, that Kate's. And, and, and it was beautiful. It's the first time I ever saw this where I was seeing data going between APIs, between microservices. Wow. And it wasn't just the fact that I'm seeing a request going from one place to another, but I am seeing full JSON blobs and containing sensitive information. And here are the users that are making those calls. And that's when it was like, okay, this is great. This is the future, right? The future is if you want to better protect APIs, and I, I love the layered approach, you need to be very contextual. And so the most contextual thing that you can do for API security is to be right next to the API itself. Of course, right. if you can now then theoretically lift and shift some of those capabilities back at the edge, you should, right? Because again, I agree in the layered, the, the layered approach model, which is, you want to try and block as much badness all the way out at the edge, right? Yeah. For things like DDoS and volumetric stuff. And, and so our thesis traffic, don't leave and let it in. Yeah, and, and Kunal, like uh, you, you make a good point you know, with, especially when you're talking about a microservices architecture where you have the things, all, you know, APIs all over the place, you have microservices, you've got Docker containers everywhere. You know, I, I used to work with organizations where, you know, they would have several dozen. Kunal, it's like, I'm working with no. people that's got over 1,600. <laughs> Yeah. You know, APIs. It's insane. And, you know, being that close to the application, I agree with you, observability. And my favorite saying, Canal, you can't protect what you don't know you have. So that observability is huge. Yeah, I totally agree. And 
it's interesting because I think we're now seeing the emergence of a, a sort of new category within security where for the longest time, it was either you're going to protect stuff or you're going to monitor stuff. But monitoring wasn't anything more than it triggered some sort of rule or it triggered some sort of signature. Yeah. We just didn't take an action. What you say, what you've been saying on this call, and I totally agree with, is observability. And we're seeing security observability at that yeah. becoming more of an important thing. And what we're finding, especially when it comes to APIs, and I'd love to get your perspective on this as well, but what we find when it comes to who thinks about API security today in 2021, going into 2022, who thinks about API security in an organization? And what we're finding is that it's actually not the sort of traditional security team that's thinking about this stuff. It's like this interesting confluence of like, yeah, like product minded folks. Um, also, we've obviously seen DevOps become a thing, but I, I'm now seeing more SecOps. So the sort of the overlaps of security teams and operations teams trying to better understand what's going on. So the ops teams want observability and the security teams want that data as well because there's a lot of information you can glean from a security perspective. But that's just what I'm seeing. What are, what are you seeing in, in terms of API security and who's talking about it in, in organizations today? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. And and um, I, a lot of my followers know what my opinion is about the analyst industry, so I won't go too much into that rabbit hole. But, you know, I actually really interesting. I just got introduced to, so... Gartner approached me and they're like, hey, Lisa, we want you to come present on the state of the API security market to all of our analysts. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. This is ironic. You guys are Gartner. You should be presenting to me on the state of the API security market. But I, it was a huge honor. And, you know, I presented Amazing. to all of their analysts on it. It was great. But here's the thing, Kunal, like the API security market, in my, in my opinion, is very nascent. Everyone mm -hmm. is still trying to figure it out. A lot of our a lot of our clients at Night Inc. are API security vendors, and every vendor is taking a different approach to API security. Um, on the edge, in line, passive, uh, inside the mm -hmm. app. You know, uh, it's there's so many different approaches, and and I, you know, for me, I, I don't feel like there's any wrong approach. I think that there's just a different approach, and certain approaches give you more mm -hmm. visibility than others. Certain oh. approaches have trade-offs, and you know you've got tracing, you've got all these different things, um, you've got RASP, you've got all these, things. and then now <laughs> complicating matters is you've got the weapons. Like, oh man, the window on the on the on the industry is closing. We need to get in on this uh, this API security budget, you know. And then you have API gateways that are getting on this. Oh. Like, we need to add security features, and we're gonna be we're gonna get in on this API security budget. And and um, so I think I think the 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 uh, market has an identity crisis and it's really trying to figure itself out. Um, what I've been saying and what I feel about this is, you know, um, I think I think from my opinion, I think the a you know, understanding that there's there can be a difference between what your backend API supports and what your Swagger file or contract states is a huge <coughs> problem. Misconfiguration is a huge problem. Yep. And the other thing, Kunal, is um, in, in, on 
uh, I'm actually going to be keynoting at Money 2020. I'm so excited about that. But um, basically, I'm going to be unveiling all my research into hacking banks and how I was able to transfer money in and out of accounts and change PIN codes of any bank customer through APIs. And people don't understand how much of our plumbing in our world today in the financial services and healthcare sector is APIs now. And you can do so much with APIs from controlling cars like my law enforcement vehicle hack where I took remote control of law enforcement vehicles through the APIs to hacking banks and healthcare. But one of the biggest things that I can tell you, Kanal, and I think the, the long-winded answer to your question is this. We're doing a great job at authenticating. We're doing a really crappy job at authorizing. Oh, I you know, so I, yeah. I think, I think, you know, developers get authentication. Like we need to authenticate who the hell this is, but we're not authorizing what Alyssa is allowed to do when she's authenticated. Yeah. And, and, um, the, I, so I totally agree that there's a, the, in terms of the delineation of our success doing auth n versus auth z, and on the auth z side, we've totally failed, right? Agreed. As an industry, we've Agreed. completely fallen down. Um, when you were bringing up the the concept of sort of marrying APIs with uh, infrastructure and plumbing, I, you know, one of my mentors uh, he taught me this lesson. He's like, no one ever really complains about their toilet until it breaks, right? <laughs> like, it's the same deal uh, with things like APIs. People don't really talk about APIs unless there is a problem or there's a net new capability or feature associated with it, right? It's kind of what it is, and we take it for granted. And I think the problem right now is when you really think about, and, and this is just a really crude model, but like, why do networks exist to bring people to applications and APIs? Why do we applications and APIs exist to bring people to data? Ultimately, yeah. why do people compromise APIs to get to data, right? That, that's yeah, why they that, do it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's it's interesting that you bring that up. And I'm sure you saw the Akamai report that came out. Where 82% of the CDN traffic is API traffic now. Canal, that means that more than half of the internet traffic now is not human application traffic you know it's it's just insane so um i agree with you completely and um you know i just i i'm wondering like where do we go from here you know like we're, yeah. we're, and i agree with you because data is worth more than oil right let's all be honest let's point the pink elephant out in the room before 20 years ago it was hackers defacing websites more elite than now rafa was here <laughs> now, yeah. now, now it's how much money can i make from this and then now it went from monetizing that data once you steal it to double dipping and ransom leak and yeah. lock. Like, okay, I'm gonna ransom you and get a payout from that. And I'm also gonna leak it and sell it on the dark web and get money from that. And it's it's all about profiting off that data that you bring up is, you know, it's it's all about profit now. It's not, you know, all the all does defacement mirrors are gone, right? Strat, I remember, remember, do you remember like the R-Snake XSS cheat sheet from like yeah, back in the day? Yeah, of course, like, Rainforest Puppy and you know, all like traditional yeah. websites. It's now all gone to like hackers needing to freaking learn Postman. Man, you know, like, like, yes. like, like JSON, what? What do you yes. mean? What is JSON? You know, and like freaking yeah. out when they see JSON. But I mean, it's it's just, it's now, you know, it's moved to fuzzing and, and you know, okay, content discovery on APIs and what the hell, how much that has changed from content discovery on web servers, unlinked directories, unlinked files to unlinked directories and files on a freaking API. Yeah, you know, and right. it's like, it's just changed so much. And I agree with you. Like I've run into, and, and we haven't even, we haven't talked about this yet. Like the companies that outsource their API development. And then, so this, this talk that I'm going to be unveiling 
is the bank actually outsourced the development of their APIs and their mobile apps to this company who rinsed and reused the code for 300 other bank APIs. Oh, and so- What about fact, keys? <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. Hard code keys and tokens in the app and yeah. all this other stuff. Like, it's sure. insane. And and I think we're just, it's like, it's like, you know, you and I have been around the same, about the same amount of time in the industry. And, you know, you remember this, like we are repeating the sins of our fathers, you know, like we are, we are committing the same cardinal sins in development, like hard coding credentials and API keys and tokens in our apps. And it's like, we've gone back 20 years. We're seeing the same vulnerabilities that we saw 20 years ago. Now in APIs, it's like, it's all started all over again. And we're figuring out security with, with APIs and, and, and we're taking the bruises from it. It's API breach after API breach. We've got T-Mobile. We've got all these others that have happened, and it's just we're not we're not learning from history, and it's it's repeating itself. And companies aren't running just one of these things; they're running thousands of these things, and they're everywhere. I mean, now the ONC with the 21st Century Cures Act signed by President Obama, the ONC and CMS have now made it a federal reg, yeah. a federal for healthcare providers and healthcare payers to use APIs, fire APIs, to make patient data available. It's 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 and look at what, new world, man. And look at financial services, right? Where you've got elements like open banking, where open banking, we, PSD two, yeah, yeah, and, and so this is the world, right? Um, yep. Data portability has become a really important issue on the heels of things like data privacy, right? So yeah. uh, consumer rights are important, and the idea of being able to quickly get your access to your data, being able to move it from one vendor to another, I get it, right? Yeah. So as someone who loves decentralized things, yeah. it makes a lot of sense for me. But at the same <laughs> time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like subtle insert blockchain. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll also add in this environment, yes, we're repeating the same issues like what we did maybe more than a decade, 15 years ago. But the part that's different and, and really unique is that APIs can talk to each other versus before it was a pretty monolithic, pretty north south flow. And what we mean by north south, right, is someone from the outside of the data center coming in through an HTTP request, landing in a web server, the website talks to a database and you're out, pretty simple. Yeah. The complexity now is that you've got all sorts of APIs that are deployed. So the use case that you mentioned, a business that has 1600 APIs, I met with a financial services company that has more than 10,000 APIs in production. Okay, oh, wow. 10,000 APIs in production today. They've got just as many in terms of applications, but let's, let's table that for a second. 10,000 APIs. And when I asked them, how do your APIs, how are they all sort of set up? They're like, we don't know, but we do know that like they're talking to each other. Um, there was an amazing blog post that came out, I think it was a couple of years ago about Uber. And they had built up a ton of APIs over the years, yeah. but they all, they, they had no visibility. They didn't know of all these APIs and some were developed in Node and Go and other different services, how and what they were doing. It was more like a developer thought of an idea and they built something. Another developer thought of thought about using what the previous developer built in their service and they were like, ah, it doesn't really do what I want. I'm gonna, instead of forking and changing the code, 
and kind of doing a pull request, they were like, no, I'll just make a new API service, which is that, that solves my problem. So that ended up happening. Because there was no documentation. Yeah, I actually- Right, right. Yeah, I've, I have a, an acquaintance that came from the, you know, the Uber security team and explained kind of where the bodies are buried over there and how bad it is and no documentation or anything. Nobody knows where anything is anymore. Like if you needed to find a specific API for something or like no one knew like what, what this was or what that was, it's a mess. It's and a mess. When call, it's a and when they thing. call each other and when they call yeah. each other, you just said it's a tangled mess, right? Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. So like you can't just remove one API because you don't know where it's all going to fail. So yeah. in, in source code terms, we're used to this thing like software composition analysis, right? Which is the idea yeah. of, Let's understand how a source code is how source code is going to behave, or how applications are going to behave, what it's going to talk to, what it's going to do. We need to do the same with APIs. Right? We need to okay. hopefully get to things like API composition analysis as an industry, which is recognizing the fact that these are not your typical monolithic north-south applications. They're performing a task. They're performing a behavior. And if, and if you think this is bad today. Just wait till you get to serverless functions, right? Because that yeah, takes it to a whole sure. new level. A whole other because... conversation. Yeah. No, that's a good point. You know, and it's it's funny. I, I've I've always kind of sat on the adversarial side and and blending that with content now. But you know, on the defender side, you know, what what is the what what is if if you could kind of summarize for the audience, where do they go from here? What's what what is this solution? I I won't dare say the silver bullet. But yeah. you know what's you know it's it's definitely observability. I agree with you. Like, what are some of the other aspects that that people should be thinking about? And I think I I'm gonna I'm gonna dare to say that you agree with me that security shouldn't be a feature of a product. It should be purpose built from the ground up as an API security threat solution, threat I management solution. Agree. So what what's what's your advice? What's the you know, to the to the CISO out there who's trying to figure this all out? So. Okay, so that's very, very tactical advice. <clears throat> Try not to think about it in terms of a stack. Try not to think about it as a layering of, of like, I have this at the edge, this here, that there. That's the outcome of your program. Go back to the program and, and think about it from the perspective of you have people designing APIs, you have people building APIs, you then have these APIs that are deployed to a production environment. And maybe along the way, you've got some sort of testing and vulnerability management around those APIs. So it's a full life cycle, right? The software development life cycle. Approach it from that perspective. So the suggestion I would have for people is go all the way back and start to reinforce good API design principles from the very get-go. Like if you're building a new API today, if you are not building an API with a schema, or if you're building an API today without a schema in place, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, make sure yeah. that you have like really good sound ready, principles. Ready, aim, place. fire, not ready, fire, aim. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, we, and, and Alyssa, you remember as an industry, we would talk about things like threat modeling, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that never really took, right? It never really yeah. took. It, it never Attack really tree diagrams. Because yeah. because it, it was too much. I think what we're basically saying is. Start by building up something like a schema before you even write your API. Design the contracts for your APIs. That's the first really good start. And then, then base the second... it on those drawings, base exactly. it on those concepts. And yeah, I agree. I think I think we as humans tend to want to quickly dive into the bash shell or quickly dive into the to the IDE to begin writing code 
versus designing out what it's supposed to be. And, and you know, like we could have a whole show on security architecture. Oh like yeah. We haven't even totally. talked about security architecture. And I think architecting that out and drawing it out and actually being architects and blueprinting stuff out will help us help us figure out where do we put those security controls and i'm sure that's that was the next part of your narrative but 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 i think a lot of people are too too ineffective at getting that work done and i'll be blunt i think a lot of people are afraid to do architecture meetings because you know they're worried about um, their ideas or or their, the things that they're coming up with uh being torn down uh yeah. human human emotion comes into play right because it's their their baby it's their it's their project and, and so we're not, I mean, if you, if you think about it, like as an industry, we really, really, really stink at giving constructive feedback. No, I'm serious. Like if you go back, like why is security and, and pardon the language, but like why is security crapped on by developers and operations teams inside of organizations? I, I've been in this position. And the reason is as security, we're not sensitive to the fact that this is someone's product, this is someone's thing. This is this is what someone has spent a lot of time building and designing. And here comes security basically saying, this sucks, this doesn't have this, this doesn't have that, scrap it all, I gotta rebuild yeah. it from scratch, or you gotta, that, think about it from their perspective, which is like, yeah, I don't wanna work with you because <laughs> you're, yeah. you're gonna come along and completely hurt this thing. And so that's why you need a, a tighter partnership, which is more around, listen, this is about making us better, right? This is yeah. about making it's not us versus them. It should we're all in this. We're all, you know, and I'm always saying this, you know, how how do adversary how do you on the battlefield, how do you defeat a much bigger, more resourced, better weapons, you know, instrumented enemy? You turn them against themselves. And that's why that's why I'm such a big advocate for inclusion you know mm -hmm. they want us to say no women they you know the adversary wants us to say no lgbtq the the, the they want us to be they want us to turn against ourselves and and, mm -hmm. and because that makes us weaker it makes us smaller and and so that's why i think inclusion in cybersecurity is so important because we are right. all defending ourselves against a common enemy it's mm -hmm. we're all we all need to be a part of the solution and i love the narrative that it sounds like you subscribe to my same school of thought that it's shift left to shield right and it's starting mm -hmm. from the design and architecture and weaving totally. security into that fabric all the way up to post-deployment but I, I i know yeah i i'm i'm really glad we finally met i'm i'm shocked yeah. that 20 21 years later i'm we're i'm meeting you for the first time you're my spirit animal so this, yeah, is, this, is, great. <laughs> like, this has been great but i i know we're kind of running up to the end of the uh, show here but you know um how can people uh, uh i guess this is what i would like to do i would like to ask you to bring us out on on sort of how imperva is is just reinventing itself really kind of you know because Imperva I think historically and, and forgive me if this is unfair to say but I think historically Imperva has been viewed as the WAF company and so mm -hmm. how is Imperva sort of reinventing itself and and um, you know rebranding itself in this this new era we're in of, of API first yeah um, so first of all I, it's insane that it's taken us 20 something years to do know. this it's but but we found each other right yes, and that's yes, important definitely. and and um, so here's to many, many more fun experiences and, and conversations. The second is, you're absolutely right. You know, 20 years ago, Imperva helped build the WAF industry. And, you know, I think 
for years it was synonymous with, oh, you're the WAF company. Well, no, we're, we're not the WAF company. And over the last few years, we've really understood that it's not about the feeds and speeds. You know, I think a lot of security companies get so trapped and so locked into what it is they do, but it's not, a, they, they sort of fail to kind of take a step back and look at the perspective of like, what are we actually helping businesses accomplish, right? And the way we think about the business is we protect data and all the paths to it. And those paths could be through applications or APIs, right? And the best way to protect things like applications, APIs, and data is through a defense in depth approach. And so the way we think about it as a business, if you want to protect an API today, you want to do as much as you possibly can at the edge. We're not discounting that at all. And so there's elements of having a web application firewall that, that may be helpful, right? So the idea of maybe you are able to remove things like injections, maybe you're able to remove you know, script kitty attacks, volumetric attacks at the edge, great. But if you want to go a step further, and we definitely encourage people to do it, then you need to have that context. And that context means deploying something in or around the application or API workload or serverless function, whatever that might be. And going beyond that, if you're really worried about data, it's about having a sensor or something around the data store, which could be structured, semi-structured, or unstructured data. But the idea is we believe in a defense in depth approach. We're not just a, a WAF company. Ultimately, what we do, as I said, we protect data and all of the different paths to it. Those are just different mechanisms. And some people can have them all. We have many organizations that have them all or some that just pick what they need. Some that will just say, you know what, I need to protect APIs. Therefore, I will just use this API security solution. Totally fine with us. But the point is, is that we recognize that the world is totally different and that you cannot have, you know, a single sensor to rule them all. That just doesn't work anymore in, in 2021. And I think we're going to see more of the, the ecosystem becoming, and, and this is going to be interesting and it's going to be fun, becoming more polyglot in terms of different languages and frameworks and technologies that have been used. And at the same time, also more diverse in terms of different opinions and different ideas in terms of the way that things should and will be architected going forward. And I think those two things together are going to make our, our careers more interesting, hopefully, for, for the next uh, couple of decades. And certainly on the Imperva side, the way that we've been steering things as a business is as those changes are, are happening, we're, we want to change with the world. And, and I think that hopefully that narrative in terms of how we think about ourselves, how we think about the business is coming across relative to the change that we see happening today. Yeah, well, a lot of you heard it here first. It's about context and security. That's that's really you know, and and you know, securing the highway, not the cars, right? And the the communication yeah. pathways for that data, because that's that's what it is. It's that's what adversaries are going after. They want your data, and um, you know, security shouldn't be a feature. Uh, it should be the product itself. And so I'm glad uh, Kanal and I are both in agreements on that. Well, this, like, this has been time well spent with you, Kanal. I definitely agree. I think we need to spend more time together and, and this needs to be a first of many. And, and I'm really excited to see the new direction that Imperva is on and, uh, you know, and, and how it's going through this, this metamorphosis, if you will, in, in, into this new uh, direction. So I'm, I'm excited and we'll, we'll watch you guys closely. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Thanks. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And here's to many more. 
Definitely. Well, this has been their story on ITSP Magazine and Listen Night with Kanala Nuns. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you for listening. Thank you.